to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. I'm excited about this, this word this morning that the Lord has given me. It's going to be very, I guess, common or simple in the sense that it's something we've probably heard many times before, but the Lord told me this is what our church needed right now. I know that I need it. I know for a fact there are just families and people that are going to need what we're talking about today, what God is going to communicate. If we would lay hold on it this morning, I know that it would help us in a great way. So let's look at 2 Chronicles chapter 20, and we're going to read a good portion of this, so just stay with me. We're going to skip around, but we're going to start at verse 1, so just stay with me. It came to pass after this also that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon and the children and with them other besides the Ammonites came against Jehoshaphat to battle. Jehoshaphat was the king of Judah at this time. And there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea, and on this side, Syria. And behold, they be in Hazan Tamar, which is in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Let's skip to verse 6. And said, O Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven? And rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thine hand is there not power and might, so that none is able to withstand thee? Art thou not our God, who did strive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel, and gave it it? To the, to the seed of Abraham thy friend forever. Skip down to verse 12. O our God, wilt, not, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us, neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. Then upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jael, the son of Madaniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, came the Spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. And he said, Hearken ye all Judah and, all, and, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou King Jehoshaphat. Thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow go ye down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz, and ye shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Skip to verse 20. And they rose early in the morning and went forth in the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me. Verse 22. And when they began to sing and praise the Lord, Praise the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and, and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. Verse 24. 
And when Judah came toward the watchtower in the wilderness, they looked unto the multitude, and behold, they were dead bodies fallen to the earth, and none escaped. I just want to stop right there, and I want to say in verse 12, let's look at verse 12. This was their prayer. Jehoshaphat's prayer and the people's prayer. O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. And I want to talk about this. Have you felt like, I know you have, and I know I have, it's just too much for me. There's some situation in your life, either right now, or that you're going through, about to go through, or been through, where you say, it's too much for me. It's beyond me. It's similar to what what Isaiah said when he was thinking about the sin and sins of his people. He says, we are all as an unclean thing and our, our, our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. We do all fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. They were just like too much. They've gone over our heads. It's just... We're, we're enveloped by this. The Bible says in Romans 5, 6, that when we were with, yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. There are many times in our lives, y'all, more than, than uh, a lot of times we care to recognize, but we say it's too much for us. It's beyond us. But can I tell you that our God knows this about our lives? He knows this about man in general. God created us. He saved us by His grace and He knows what's too much for us. Okay? He knows what's beyond us. Like a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear Him. For He knoweth our frame. He remembereth that we are dust. Aren't you glad that the Lord remembers us? He doesn't just say, pick yourself up by your bootstraps and get after it. He knows what we are. He knows our weaknesses, our frailties, our limitation, our ignorance, our fear. He knows these things about us. He remembers that we are dust. He knows our frame. I looked that word up, frame. That, that was from Psalm 103. Our frame is our form, our purpose, our mind, our work. He knows us. He knows our work. He knows what we can accomplish and what we can't accomplish. He knows this about us. And I would just ask you, have you ever felt like this before? Have you ever said, God, will you not... Judge them. God, uh, we, are, we have no strength or might against this great multitude that has come against us. It's not necessarily an army, a great multitude. It could be something else that's uh, swelling up against your life. And you look at it and you say, I have no defense against this. It's too much for me. Maybe the slander. Maybe the gossip. Maybe, uh, uh, maybe sickness. Maybe financial troubles. Maybe... Uh, things with your children and your family that you're saying it's just risen up. I've handled the little ups and ups and downs of life, but this has risen up against me like a multitude. Okay, and I have no strength, Lord God. We have no strength against this great multitude. Neither know we what to do. Joshua said, "We don't even know what to do." Okay, but I would say this. The, the, the trial was great. The valley, you say it's too great. The valley's too deep. You ever been in one of those? It says it's just too deep. This night is just too dark. Okay? The enemy is just too strong. And I don't know what to do. But you know what? Jehoshaphat did know what to do. Because he called upon the Lord. 
That's exactly what you have to do. That's exactly what God wants us to do and what He calls us to do. When David was king and he was in his old age and he was about to die, and he had anointed his son Solomon to be the king and to build the, the temple and uh, gather all the materials and so forth, and he was getting ready to, to turn it over to Solomon before he died. It had been a... Uh, he had been a man of war. He had been a man, that, a man that fought battles and so forth. And he had learned to trust in God, right? He had learned before he was anointed king. He learned against uh, a lion and a bear that were taking the sheep. And he protected them. And God gave him a shepherd's heart and gave him strength and power to kill a lion and a bear and deliver the little lambs out of their mouths. He gave him power against the giant Goliath with just a sling and a stone. And, and yet he's telling his son Solomon at the end of his life, he said, now set your heart, Solomon, now set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord your God. There's a setting of the course, there's a setting of the sails. When we're uh, going out on a ship, you've got to set them. You've got to get them lifted up. You've got to catch the wind. You've got to go the right direction. And we have to set our heart and our mind. Set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord your God and to follow after Him. We don't know what to do, Jehoshaphat said. We're no, we have no power against this multitude, but he did know what to do. He called upon the Lord, and we know what to do as well. We call upon Jesus, man in his pride. And there's a great pride of man, right? Pride of life, uh, the pride uh, of life that, that man has. And, and uh, apart from God, man is in his pride, and man thinks that he has it under control. I can handle anything that comes against my life. I've got the education. I've got the bank account. I can manipulate out of this. I can figure this out. I have the health. I have the strength. I have the friends. Uh, I, can, I can get it. I have it under control. But we don't have it under control. We don't have it under control. Not in any sphere or any area of life do we have it under control. We need the Lord. Lost men need the Lord for salvation. They won't take another breath if they're God that they don't even know doesn't give them the breath to take, okay? Save men, we're not going to make it. And women, we don't have it under control in any area of our lives, but we do have a Creator. We're not self-sufficient. We have a God who created us for His own pleasure and His own purposes, and He loves us. And y'all, He is more than enough for us. He is our sufficiency. Uh, he is all that we need. He is all that, uh, and He's able to supply all that we need in our lives. He wants us to know that. He wants us to learn that. And He wants us to learn to come to Him quickly with things. Not try everything else we can try. And when all else fails, go to God in prayer. <clears throat> try everything else we can try. When all else fails, I'm going I'm to turn over to the Lord because this is just beyond me. He wants us to know early on right away and get in the habit of learning to come to the Lord as a pattern to trust in God. To be still and know that He is His God. He, he, he wants His people to rest in Him. And that's a wonderful word, rest, isn't it? You know, you say, I need to rest. I want to go on vacation for a while. And I don't want to do anything. I just want to rest. I just want to lay there, talk to the Lord a little, you know, and talk to God and just rest. I'm not planning to go whitewater rafting. I'm not, I just want to go rest for a little while. It's a wonderful thing. But God wants us to rest in Him. To rest in His promises. To rest in this truth that He's our God, our Creator, and He has it under control. 
and to learn to trust him with everything. The Bible says uh, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. We ought not think anything of ourselves. He's talking to believers that to think that we have the sufficiency for whatever he's called us to do, whatever uh, valley we're going to walk through, whatever experiences we're going to have in life. Don't think that we have the sufficiency. Uh, we not to think anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. Old Testament, New Testament, 100 years from now, if the Lord tarries, man's sufficiency will be of God. A lost man doesn't know it, but his sufficiency is of God. A saved man knows it. So he wants us like Jehoshaphat to turn. The great multitude that came against them did not have God as their sufficiency. They had a great multitude. But Jehoshaphat and the people turned to God and they had God to be their strength and to be their sufficiency. We're, we ought to be like Jehoshaphat. Okay? And turn to the Lord. The blood, I'm talking about the sufficiency of the Lord right now. The blood of Jesus is sufficient for our cleansing and salvation from sin. Is it not? The blood of Jesus. Nothing added to it. Just the blood of Jesus. Amen? The grace of God is sufficient for our lives. The Bible says, your grace is sufficient for me. Paul said, the power of the Holy Ghost is sufficient for our walk of faith with God. The Holy Spirit is, is the sufficiency when we got there witnessing Friday night to give us boldness, to give us the words to say, to bring to our remembrance uh, what's needed to be spoken, to, to the love of God would be spread abroad in our hearts that we would have compassion for the people that we're witnessing to. All of it, the Holy Ghost is sufficient for that. That's why the Lord told His disciples in the 120, don't you leave Jerusalem until you're endued with this power from on high. The Word of God and the promises of God are sufficient to light our way. But what about this, Lord? I've never been through this before. And he brings to remembrance of Scripture. The Word of God lights our way. Okay, It's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. It shines around the, the little immediate area where we are. And it's a bright light shining down the path to see the long haul where we're going. Okay? God's Word is sufficient for that. And so, um, the, the, promise, the provisions of God are, are sufficient for our lives. We don't have to look elsewhere. It's not God plus something else. It's not, as I said, we turn to everything and try something, and then when it fails, then we turn to the Lord. Uh, God's provisions are sufficient to meet and then sur to surpass everything that we have need of. And He's so kind and good on top of that, y'all. He doesn't only meet our needs, that He blesses us with things we don't need that are just desires that we have. Just wants. We don't have to have it to survive or even to stay a Christian. But He blesses us with things and with uh, just special moments and people in our lives and kind things and wonderful things in our lives. On top of that, the strength of the Lord is sufficient to cause us to triumph in every area. His strength. There's nothing that rivals the Lord. There's nothing that comes against the Lord where He's troubled. He's never come in second place to anything or anyone. He's created all things. Now thanks be unto God, Paul says, which always causes us to triumph in Christ and make it manifest the savor of His knowledge by us in every place. But he says he's thanking God right off the bat. Paul would have other trials in his life after he wrote this. But he says, thanks be unto God who causes us to triumph. Always causes us to triumph in the Lord. I know there are people sitting right here this morning. You don't feel very triumphant. 
You, you don't feel. And some are. Some have this incredible blessing. And we need to rejoice with those that rejoice. And we need to weep with those that weep. But we all need to go to God. Okay? We all need to give it to God and hold each other up. And God gives us the strength. I think this is y'all's scripture memory verse. Uh, in Ephesians 6.10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. I love that scripture. I thank God for that Scripture. I remind myself of that Scripture. And I pray that Scripture daily. I want to be strong, Lord. But I want to be strong in the power of Your might. In Your might. Because I'm weak. I'm, I'm ignorant. I mean, didn't Jehoshaphat say we don't know what to do? We don't know what to do. We have no might against this people that's coming against us. Neither know we what to do. And... But again, he did know what to do. He went to the Lord. And in King Jehoshaphat's day and in his life and his great need and trial, the Lord was his sufficiency. The Lord was his victory with a capital V. His Savior, his salvation, his deliverer, his hope, his help. His answered prayer. The Lord was his answered prayer. The Lord was his defense against the enemy. The Bible said, the Lord says, go, go down tomorrow. I want you to go up and go down to the valley of Ziz or whatever, the end of this brook, that's the way they're coming up. So God showed them where they'd be coming, where the enemy would be coming. And it says when they, they started singing and praising as they went. And when they got there, uh, when they got there in the morning, they got to the watchtower to look down over that area. They're all dead corpse, dead bodies, and none escaped. I mean, the, the Bible has a lot of stories like this. Same in Hezekiah's day when the Syrians came against them. There's, there's story after story like this. And God was his sufficiency. And, and Jehoshaphat did what all wise men and wise women do. He turned to the Lord. He called upon Jehovah. He quickly put the whole situation. Now, I think he had to do it quickly, all right, because they were coming against him. But still, he took the whole situation, put it squarely upon the Lord. And we're going to have to trust that He can handle it. We're going to have to take the whole situation, all the little perimeters, all the edges of it, the whole thing. Well, I can handle this little part over here. No, you can't. And neither can I. We need to take the whole situation. We don't know what to do. God can tell us what to do. He might have already told you what to do and you're resting in it. Praise God. But we need to take the whole situation and we need to go over here and place it upon the Lord. We need to give it to God fully and completely. Jehoshaphat did it. He did it by faith. He did it quickly and turned it over to the Lord. He did it by prayer because that's how we do it. And the Bible says as they prayed and the people, he led the people in prayer. He called them together to pray to call upon the Lord. And as they came together and prayed and put it all upon God, God answered their prayer. Even before they walked out to the battle, God began to speak to this prophet, right? A prophet in verse 14. Jehaziel, the Spirit of God came upon him. And now he's speaking the answer of God to the people and to the king. Listen, king. Listen, all you inhabitants of Jerusalem and Judah. Thus saith the Lord. Here's what's going to happen. How did that answer come? It came as they put it all upon God. As they turned to the Lord in prayer. And God sent His answer through a prophet in this, in this instance. That spoke the word of God to them. And they rested in that. 
and they obeyed it. The same in Hezekiah's day, y'all, when when the Assyrians were coming against against them, and the Assyrians would have been like the the Nazis in Hitler's day that just plowed over Poland, you know, in a couple of days or a couple of weeks. These countries are falling before them like little dominoes. Oh, we're not going to attack, and then they attacked, and they they just plastered them. Okay. And, well, you know, England, U.S., you're, you're no different than those countries. They fell before us. And then Hezekiah was the king of Judah uh, before Jehoshaphat. And, you know, you're not going to stop us either. And your God's not going to help you either. And Hezekiah got the letter from, from Sennacherib, the Assyrian, and he went, he, he went and he spread it out in the temple before the Lord. Just him and God. You know what he was doing? He wasn't consulting with a bunch of, of, of military leaders or anything like that. Nothing wrong with doing that. But he did what was right and what was best. He took the whole thing with him and God. There was a famine. The, people were, uh, the city was under siege and they couldn't even get in and out to get food. They were eating each other's children. It was terrible. And he spread the letter out before the, uh, the Lord and said, here it is, God. They have taken all these other countries. But you know why they took those other countries? Because those other countries didn't have you as their God. They had some idol as their God. And so they were therefore no might against the Assyrians. But God, He's insulting you. He's coming against you. Now I'm speaking to Hezekiah right now. He's, he's, he's uh, blasphemed you. We're your people. We have no might. And He turned it to the Lord. The same thing happened in His day. God won this great victory. Well, here we see Jehoshaphat. And, and he turns to the Lord. He pleaded his cause to the Lord. He instructed the people of Judah to call upon God and to believe God and believe His prophets, he said a little bit later. Believe the Lord and believe His prophets. So after this man of God spoke by the Spirit of God to the people, Jehoshaphat gets the people together and says, believe, what the, believe God and believe His prophet, what He says. And then he set the people again to praise and sing. This was the night before they went out to battle. Okay? This is the night before all the armies were killed. They began to praise the Lord. And when, when uh, Jehoshaphat made his prayer to the Lord, we didn't read all of it, but he framed it in such a way that it was for God's glory. In other words, deliver us for your great name's sake. You promised this land that we're now occupying to your, your friend Abraham. Abraham. And you gave it to him for a perpetual, you know, gift. The land is yours, Lord. And we're your people called by your name. Do it for your glory, God. Do it for your glory. And, and when he, you know, the Moabites and the Ammonites and this multitude that's coming against us, your deliverance for your people, this is not only because we need it, God, but it's for your glory. And it was. It was for God's glory. And can I tell you that it's for God's testimony. What you're going through in your life, you're saying nobody even knows fully what I'm going through, maybe. Uh, maybe a particular trial you're going through. I don't know what to do. I've tried this. I've tried that. We don't know what to do. But you put it upon the Lord and leave it there with Him. Make it for His glory. And that, that prayer of faith given to God for His glory is going to be answered. He is going to answer that that prayer. Just listen to this scripture from Psalm 97.3. A fire goeth before him and burneth up his enemies round about. That prayer is going to be answered. He's going to deliver. He's going to 
and, and fire goes and deliver and burns up his enemies. Well, our enemies are God's enemies. We're one and the same. I'm walking with the Lord. And something tries to come against you, then they have to get through God to do it. He allows us to go through trials. He allows us to have a measure of, of uh, temptation in our life. He allows us to have a, a measure of adversity in our life. And right now, it might be the biggest one you've been through, or the longest one, or the hardest one, or the darkest night you've been through. God has allowed it. But it's still for His glory. He wants us to put it squarely upon Him. I want you to read with me, if you would, Psalm 18. We're going to read 3-9 through nine and then skip down to verse 17. Psalm 18, 3. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. The sorrows of death compassed me. And the floods of ungodly men made me afraid. Ever been there? The sorrows of hell compassed me about. The snares of death prevented me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God. He heard my voice out of His temple. And my cry came before him, even into his ears. Then the earth shook and trembled. The foundations also of the hills moved and were shaken because he was wroth. There went up a smoke out of his nostrils and fire out of his mouth devoured. Coals were kindled by it. He, he bowed the heavens also and came down and darkness was under his feet. Verse 17, he delivered me from my strong enemy and from them which hated me. For they were too strong for me. Same thought right as Jehoshaphat. We don't have any might against this great multitude. They're too strong for me. But David says this is what the Lord did. They prevented me in the day, verse 18, of my calamity. But the Lord was my stay. And y'all, this is such a simple message this morning. But this is the truth. And we need the Lord to be our stay. We need to trust Him for everything. For our health. For the health of our family for our finances, for uh, opening the eyes of people that we love that are, are not seeing things clearly or that are, are deceived, for lost loved ones, uh, for, for everything that we could possibly think of. Wrap it all up in, in a bow and put it upon the Lord and just trust it with Him. Don't say, God, take half of it and I'll, I'll go work on this other half right now. He says that my enemy, David, we think of David as being this strong and mighty man. He was in the Lord. I don't think physically there was anything unusual about him that would have made us think he was strong. He said, my enemies are too strong for me. There are multitudes that hate me, he said, that are coming against me. Think about uh, Saul trying to kill him. He was the king. He had armies with him. And you understand what I'm saying? He had the Philistines and all that were coming against his life. And, and Satan, I know, came against David's life. And Goliath came against his life. But the Bible says that the battle is not yours, that it's the Lord's. That's what the, the Lord said to Jehoshaphat. He says this battle is not yours, but God's. It belongs to the Lord. Your battle is His, His rightful property or if you want to call that our possession. And I think about this, you know, give it to Him by faith. If, if the Bible says that the battle is not yours, but God's possession, okay, it's His, then we need by faith to place it upon Christ. We need to place it upon the Lord and in His hands. We need to, what the Lord told uh, Moses 
when the, the, the Red Sea was on one side and the, the Egyptians pursuing on the other side. And Moses said to the people, Fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which He will show you today. See, there's a great confidence in that. Because the Lord had already spoken to Moses and said, you tell the people to go forward. Well, forward is a Red Sea. But you tell them, Moses, why, why are you standing here before me? You get before the people. You tell them to go forward. And they're looking forward and there's a sea. And Moses says, fear not. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord which He will show you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen back over here today, you shall see them again no more forever. And I just praise God. They've got some incredibly, incredibly strong enemy coming against our lives. It's a hand, there's a people with their children and their cattle and their little ones and hauling all their stuff. They've been slaves for 400 years. And there's a big multitude of people, but in themselves there was no might. And there's a trained army behind them from a world empire of Egypt with brass and iron chariots and all that coming after them with weapons filled with rage from Satan. Wanting to destroy them. Why did we let them go? That's our workers. Let's go get them. And they're pursuing after them with the intent to either destroy them or bring them back into captivity. And, and the, the Lord says, you just stand still. Those Egyptians that you've seen today, you're not going to see them anymore forever. He's going to put them away. And God delivers like that. He puts things down. And causes us to be the head and not the tail and to walk over. Doesn't mean you won't have another trial down the road somewhere. When we get to heaven, we won't, we won't have it anymore. But when He delivers, He delivers. And He wants us to put it upon the Lord. The battle is not ours, but it's God's. It's His battle. And I would say simply this. Do you want it to be yours? I'm speaking to myself. If it's really God's, do I want to hang on to it and make it my battle? Or do I want to give it to the Lord? I don't want it to be mine. I know I have no might against this enemy or this uh, you know, seducing spirit or against this, uh, this sin or against this gossip and slander or against this uh, whatever, <coughs> poverty or against um, whatever it may be that's coming against your life. Do I really want that battle to be mine or do I want it to be God's? I really want it to be God's. I really want to put it in his hands. The Bible says um, that, that uh, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he will exalt you in due time. David learned to do that. Jehoshaphat learned to do that. There's a humbling, there's the humbling, humility, and then the, the exaltation where he lifts us up and magnifies us. We humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord. He delivers us. Um, this truth is taught all through the Bible, y'all, that the victory belongs to Jesus. The victory belongs to the Lord. And y'all, it's one thing to, to know this as a fact. Okay? It's another thing for you and I to, to learn this as a practice of our lives. And that's what we're talking about this morning. We've heard this sermon or something similar to it many, many times in our lives as Christians. But it's another thing to learn to practice that, to cast our cares upon Him, casting all your care upon Him because He cares for you. 
Casting means cast it with the intent of throwing it upon, not cast in a fishing bait where you reel it back in, but casting in the sense of casting with no intent of retrieving it back again. We're to cast our cares upon the Lord because He cares for us. To practice this by faith, to trust in Him, to rest in Him, to experience. That's the way we're going to experience a victory like what Judah did in Hezekiah's day and Jehoshaphat's day. The many victories that David had to experience God's great power to deliver and His power to deliver us from a strong enemy that's much greater than we are. Um, to give us such peace and, and get, give us such uh, confidence in Him even in the midst of it. A peace to be able to sing to the Lord and praise the Lord even while the trial's not over yet. These things are so important and only God can do it. But we have to learn to cast that upon the Lord. Can I tell you that sound doctrine, like I said, we know this, but we know it factually that the Scriptures teach that. This great deliverance and answer prayers of God against strong enemies. We know that. But to experience is another thing. So for it to be doctrine, to be sound doctrine, that God is our deliverer, we have to practice it. Sound doctrine is of no help if we don't live by it. And it is sound doctrine to believe that He's my Savior. He's my deliverer. I will call upon the Lord, you know, who's worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies, David said in Psalm 18. Sound doctrine is not knowing that He's a deliverer and even my deliverer. Sound doctrine is living in such a way, putting it upon Him and being delivered. Trusting God to deliver. Trusting God to answer the prayers. That would make it take it from being correct doctrine. Sound doctrine to me has to be something that we practice. We walk in it. We live by it. We don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so, uh, I want you to turn back to, to what we started with in Second Chronicles 20. And I want to look at a couple more verses just very quickly. The people of Judah, when, when the prophets spoke unto them, they fell before the Lord, worshiping in the Lord, the Bible says. They believed and they fell before the Lord. And the victory hadn't come yet. The Levites began to praise the Lord God with a loud voice on high. So what's happened is this multitude of Ammonites and Moabites and Mount Seir was a, another place. They were all coming against them. Joshua says we have no might against them. Yet God speaks to them. So there's an inter interim period between the battle. The enemy's here. They're here. Tomorrow they're going to meet up. Okay, And in that in-between place, God sent His prophet to speak to them as they called upon the Lord. They heard. They were commanded to believe His prophets. Let's read this in verse 20. And they rose early in the morning and went forth in the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God. So shall you be established. Believe in His prophets. So shall you prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord. And that should praise the beauty of His holy, of holiness as they went out before the army and to say, praise the Lord for His mercy endures forever. This is that little in-between state. That little in-between state is very important. The multitude's coming. What do I do between now and then? Between now and then, I call upon God. 
Between now and then I cast it upon cast my cares upon the Lord. Between now and then I'm still I, I, I'm still in I want to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And fear not. All these are important. Fear ye not. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. They begin to praise God. And the king instructs the people, believe God and believe his prophets. Now I want some singers. Levites, y'all get together. We're going to start praising the Lord for the beauty of his holiness. And y'all are going to lead the way as we're walking out there to, to the battle. Between here and the enemy, there's going to be praise to God as we're going out that way. They begin to praise the Lord with a loud voice from on high. And so again, this is amazing that this took place uh, before the victory. Because you know what, y'all? That is the place of victory. The battle is won before it's fought. When you, and I remember a coach, I wish I remembered the, the poem. When I played high school football, our coach was kind of a real hard-nosed guy. And uh, he would read us this little poem before every game. He, he would read something from Ecclesiastes about uh, the battle's not always to the swift and, the, and to the strongest and so forth. Uh, but he, he, there was some poem he had that he wrote. I don't know that he wrote it, but that he read to us. And we get so pumped up. But he was talking about the, this, the, the battle is won, and I, I, I wish I could remember it, but the battle is won before you ever take the field. And, and uh, it, it's the truth. The, the battle is won before. The place of victory was in the place of prayer. The, the Moabites and Ammonites had been trained soldiers and had everything prepared for a natural battle. But to natural battle for the Lord, he just thumped them and took care of them. They were all dead corpses in the morning. Okay? The place of victory for the, the believer is going to be on our knees, in prayer, at the altars, getting your family together, getting around the altar, turning your attention to God, saying we are putting this on God. We are trusting the Lord. As a church, we need to do it. There's things that are come against our church. As an individual, as families, we'll need to come and, and circle the wagons in, in a good sense and be in the habit of doing that. That is the place of victory. Because the battle is won before you ever take the field. They begin to they believe God, believe His prophets, now that the prophets that spoke to us, and let's begin to call upon the Lord and praise His holy name for His holiness. And as they went forth, there, there's the victory. And that is where you and I are going to have our victories, y'all. You're not going to have battles outside of an intimate prayer life with the Lord. I'm talking about day in and day out when things are just average and going, you know, just kind of normally. That prepares us for the day of adversity. That prepares us for the day because the Bible speaks of the day of adversity. It's coming. And the enemy is defeated in the place of prayer because it's not you defeating them. It's the Lord getting out ahead of you and defeating them. And that's what we need. That's where the answer comes. That's where our heart is established. That's where the peace comes even though the enemy is still there. The peace comes before Okay, the victory comes before the joy comes before that's where the burden is lifted. The problem can still be there, but the burden is lifted. Do you all know what I'm talking about? That's a wonderful thing. That's a victory we can gain in prayer. We have this horrible burden in your life for a lost loved one or, or for a family member, something that's burdening your life, a horrible weight. It's all you can think about. You wake up in the middle of the night. It's the first thing on your mind. You wake up in the morning. It's the first thing on your mind. It never goes away. You have a burden for so-and-so. 
You know what I'm talking about. And you fill in the blank there. Well, God wants you to have a burden for that, but He wants to lift the weight of that. You keep praying about it, but He wants to take the burden from off of you where you can breathe. Where you can breathe. God's got it. That's an amazing thing. It's a wonderful thing. He wants us, that's a victory in prayer. And we can turn now, He says, you begin to praise me. I'm not talking about living in denial, pretending like there's not a problem. I'm talking about genuinely casting the, the problem upon the Lord and leaving it there and in place, receiving His peace. I can breathe. I can think about something else. I can think about going to witness Friday night and other people that need Jesus. I can think about all the good things God's blessed my life with. I'm going to do that. And I put my children in God's hands. And I'm going to leave them there with the Lord. I'm going to keep praying for them. But God, I really want you to take the weight and the burden from me. And I want to roll it squarely off onto you, the whole burden, and let you handle it. I want you to take it, God. He says, well, I've been wanting to take it. I've been wanting you to trust me and roll it over to me, and I'll take it. You can breathe now. You can praise me now. You can walk with me. You can go on and grow some more in Jesus. You can serve me. Everything doesn't have to stop because of this. You, you trust me with that care and that burden, and we're going to go on together, and I'm going to take care of them because you can't. Neither know what we to do. I don't know what to do. But I know to turn it to God. Amen? We can turn it to the Lord. The battle is not yours. But it's the Lord. The victory is one. It's a spiritual battle. It's one doing something spiritual, which is praying to the Lord and seeking His face. We need an answer from God. Show me what to do. He spoke to Joshua through a prophet, right? He'll speak to our hearts. He'll give us that knowing. He'll speak to us through His Word. For though we war in the flesh, I mean, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. The weapons of our warfare, warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God, even to the pulling down of strongholds. Okay? There's those weapons in prayer and, and bringing those thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ and trusting God and believing Him. I'm about to close. But I've seen God's faithfulness myself. Okay, to help and to deliver me and, and others of you and as people from enemies and trials and circumstances that were far too great for us. Far too great for us. Too powerful for us. And right now, today, He's here to help you. He wants to lift the burden. He's going to bring the deliverance. He wants us to trust in Him. He wants to fight our battles for us and make it His battle. And He's going to give us His ability to pray. See, we're, in, we're almost functioning in the wrong office. I need to know what I'm supposed to do, and I need to know what God said He's going to do. I need to trust Him. I need to go to His Word. I need to go to Him in prayer and lay down His feet, telling Him I have no might against this enemy. I'll do whatever You want me to do, God, but I'm laying my life at Your feet, and I'm trusting You. And then having done all, the Bible says, to stand, Right? Haven't done all that we can do. We can pray. We can uh, be bathed in the Word of God and get wise counsel and all those things. Haven't done all, then we're to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt with the, the truth and so forth. And he talks about the, the whole armor of God. 
And so we trust the Lord. There was a true story I heard. It's hard to believe. This lady named Brenda was on her first rock climbing expedition with some other people. They were going climbing up these things where you got to you know, hammer the things into the rock and, and all that stuff and go up by the ropes. And, and she was part way up and a rope above her snapped and came down. Didn't cause her to fall. But the rope popped and hit her eye. Knocked her contact lens out. Since she couldn't see without her contact lens. And now she's halfway up this mountain. Okay? And, and, and you know, some of the more experienced people came down and they helped her get up where she needed to go. But she still they had more a long trip ahead of them still. It was like an excursion they were going on. And she was a Christian. She began to pray. And she said, Lord, your word says that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro the whole, throughout, throughout the whole earth. I need you to uh, find my contact lens. Because they're looking around, of course, right where it happened on the, the ledge where she was. Everybody looked and couldn't find it. Well, another group of climbers coming up that they had nothing, no, nothing to do with them hollers up, hey, anybody up there lose a contact? And... and uh, yeah, we, we lost one up here. Well, we're going to get it up there to you. And when they got up, she says, how in the world did you find a contact lens out in the middle of the big, wide open you know, space? And he said, it was the strangest thing. I looked on the ground. There was an ant carrying it on its back. And uh, I reached down and picked it up. Hey, anybody lose a contact? And uh, they brought it to her. And... The, the lady named Brenda, she was saying, she was thinking about it sometime later, saying, you know what that ant must have thought? She goes, if she was the ant, she said, Lord, I can't eat this thing. What am I doing carrying it? And, uh, and kind of relating it to this story, I can't fix this burden. What am I doing carrying it? Here's an ant hauling around a contact lens. He can't do anything with it. And uh, it was an answer to the lady's prayer, obviously, but still... An example of uh, we carry things that that we don't need to be carrying, that God doesn't want us to carry. I want to close with this, and the altars are open even now. But turn those that are want to read with me. I'm going to be reading from Psalm uh, 56. There's so many scriptures like this, y'all. This is the one the Lord has led me to this morning. Psalm 56, 1 through 4. Be merciful unto me, O God, for man would swallow me up. He fighting daily oppresseth me. Mine enemies would daily swallow me up, for they be many that fight against me, O thou most high. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. And God, I will praise his word. And God, I've, I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. And so, Father, we just come before you. And y'all, these altars are open. I encourage you to come. I, pray, I encourage you to come and our church body to, to lay our burdens at the foot of Jesus and to trust Him with it and begin to praise Him for the beauty of His holiness this morning. But, Father, we want to come before you. God, I want to pray that you would forgive me because many times I've cast cares upon you, but I've taken them right back. And Lord, I want to learn by faith to, to leave them with You. And to go on with You and to trust You, God. Lord, I thank You that You're a mighty deliverer. You're a mighty fortress of protection. And You're a mighty deliverer for Your people. There's nothing in heaven and earth that can come against our lives. 
from which You cannot deliver us, God. When the enemy rushes in like a flood, the Lord will raise up a standard against them. And God, we're asking You to do that. The enemy has come rushing in, whether it's false accusations and gossip and slander, whether it's our children walking away from Jesus, whether it's whatever it may be, God, whatever it is, it's an enemy coming against our lives and we're not going to have it, God. We put it in Your hands, God. It's too much for us. The valley's too deep for us. The enemy is too strong for us. But it's not too strong for You. Neither know what we to do. Well, we do know this. We know, we know we're to call upon the living God, the Maker of heaven and earth. And His Son, Jesus Christ, who saved us, who rose from the dead the third day, and who loves us. And, and God, we're committing ourselves to You. We're committing the, our trials to You. And for the glory of Almighty God, for the glory of Jesus in our lives, and Your, your, your testimony, God, in our lives, because we're Christians, God. We ask that You would deliver us from the enemy that's too plenteous and too strong and powerful for us, God. That You would raise us up. David says in Psalm 124, Our soul is escaped as a bird out of the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we are escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. He causes us to escape. He caused the Israelites to escape out of the hands of the Egyptians. The Red Sea. Our soul is escaped because we look to the Lord. The snare, the trap they had set for us is broken. And we escaped because we look to the Lord, our Deliverer. God, hear us this morning. We need You. We need You, God, to deliver us. We also need You to lift the heavy burden that You have no intention for us to carry, but we've been carrying it. By faith this morning, we, we roll it upon You, God. In Jesus' name, thank You, Lord. Call upon the Lord this morning.